Hi, guys, and welcome to the Fail Fighters Podcast, a show that's all about celebrating the art of learning from your mistakes. I'm Carrie James, and today we have the one and only millennial finance coach, Mr. Peter Dewan, to talk with us about the art of the business pivot, setting healthy routines when you're living the baller high life, and how to look at failing as a learning experience. Peter is a former finance exec who, by the age of 30, had a track record of success at some of the biggest firms on Wall Street. That is, until he realized that he wasn't in love with the unethical nature of the financial industry and wanted something more out of life. Today, Peter runs his own alarmingly successful financial coaching business called The Millennial Finance Coach, where he teaches ambitious millennials from around the world how to invest and to automate their way to financial freedom. And he does it all from the comfort of his laptop on the tropical beaches of Asia. If you're listening to this and you're not in the car driving, then you might want to take some notes as this episode is jam-packed full of wisdom and value. Without further ado, Mr. Peter DeWan. All right, guys, welcome to the Fail Fighters podcast. Today, we may have Mr. Peter Duan from America. So he's originally from California, um, grew up in, you know, started out his journey in China, and he grew up in America and, and for the most part has been kicking ass ever since. So we're really excited <laughs> to have him on the show today. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Mr. Peter, and uh, tell me where you are in the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, so first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, like you said, I was made in China, uh, but I was uh, pretty much raised up in California my entire life. So started off in San Diego um, and then, yeah, just kind of lived all over Southern California. And I didn't really make this digital nomad jump until quite recently. So uh, quite recently, as in being a little bit over a year ago, I started living the expat life. Uh, and I've actually met you, Kerry, uh, here in Vietnam. So right now, I'm in this lovely beach town called Da Nang. Uh, it's just beautiful, and there's great beaches out here. The food's excellent, so nothing to complain here. Awesome, man. So, yeah, I've, uh, I've actually I've spent some time in uh, Da Nang myself. And for those, those listeners out there that's not familiar with Southeast Asia and what's going on there at the moment, um, basically, it's, it's uh, experiencing, a, I would say, a startup or a business renaissance at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. Places like uh, Da Nang, which is the third largest city in Vietnam, it's... Uh, exploding on the scene in terms of, uh, you know, digital nomads outside, you know, influences coming in, people from all over the world moving there to start up their own businesses, which is, you know, what we're all about here on the Fail Fighters podcast is doing your own thing, taking the leap and fighting past any kind of failures that you might experience when, when getting there. Um, but just to, to give a brief introduction, um, go ahead and tell us what you are all about, man. What's your, what's going on with your with the financial, yeah. the millennial uh, finance coach. Tell us about this. Yeah. So the millennial finance coach is now my main hustle. So just a little bit of background on me. Uh, I did uh, just kind of going all the way back to the colleges, actually. So I was fortunate enough to attend a very good university back home. I went to UCLA, uh, which is rated the number one public university in America. Uh, but despite that, you know, when I was going in school, I had this very arrogant notion that's like, oh, you know, I'm surrounded by these like really smart people. Like, you know, by the time I graduate, like I could easily find a fifty, sixty thousand dollar a year job and then, you know, be a millionaire in no time. Right. Um, well, that was a very naive thought because when I graduated, it was quite the opposite. Uh, I couldn't find a job when I first graduated. And the reason for that was because I studied a rather useless degree, and that's environmental science. So no, nothing against environmental science or anything like that. But for me, I just couldn't find a job. And this was back in 2012. And so I really, like, that was a big 
big low point in my life. Uh, that's probably considered one of my first fails, if you will. Uh, but from there, I thought, okay, at least I have a chance to like start fresh, right? And so I thought I wanted two things in my life. One is that I wanted to make money, okay? And two is because, uh, I, two, I wanted to learn how to make my money work for me. So I kind of put those two things together and I thought, okay, let me break into finance, okay? Now, if I actually knew how difficult it was to break into finance, I probably wouldn't have done it because it ended up taking me about a year to uh, working for free to break into finance. And then even after that, my first real job, I was making $10 an hour, but I was working 70, 80 hours a week. So um, that was kind of my experience, you know, breaking into finance. But fast forward to my entire 30s. I was lucky enough to work at three of the largest financial institutions in America, um, you know, gaining six-figure salaries, so on and so forth. But I quickly became disenfranchised with this industry. Um, not saying that these people, the people who work in the financial industry are all bad guys or, you know, they're all scumbags. It's just the fact that the culture and the way the finance world operates is to not make you the individual investor money, but rather to take as much of your money and put it in their pockets. Um, so I really kind of got disgusted with that culture since I like to be a highly ethical person. And so I just quit, you know, I just like in my thirties, I had enough and I thought, okay, well, shoot, now I don't know what to do, but fortunately I've saved enough money to go travel the world. And originally I was only going to travel for nine months, uh, but really halfway between this trip, uh, people were just kind of asking me, right? Like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from California. But it's like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, like I used to work in finance, but I don't know what to do now. And they're like, okay, but like, how are you traveling? Like, how are you affording all this? I was like, oh, like, yeah, I just saved and I like, invested my money. And then they're like, well, can you teach me? And I was like, oh, ding, ding, ding. Like the kind of light bulb moment in my head. I was like, okay, like there's a lot of people who don't know how to save and definitely don't know how to invest. So I can definitely help those people back home, especially. So yeah, I started to create a financial coaching business. And uh, just for those listeners back home, financial coaching is not financial advisor, uh, advising. So financial advisors, well, nine out of 10 of them will actually just take your money and manage it themselves. But they, the way they manage it is that they're incentivized to sell you as expensive uh, financial products as possible. And the reason why I know this was because one of the companies that I worked at was called KBS. Um, you know, we sold these financial products that charge 10% sales commissions. So for, your, for the sales advisor who sold you the, the product, they got 7% and we kept 3%. So for every $100 that you gave us, $10 just evaporated right off the top. And so again, that's kind of an example of like a shady industry practice that's actually quite commonplace. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully that answered your question. That was a little bit long-winded, but yeah. That's uh, no, a no, bit of who I am. It's, uh, it's great to hear, especially, um, you know, hearing this story, like the millennial generation, which is a lot of people, you know, that listen to our podcast is that they've experienced very similar, uh, you know, had, had very similar experiences, I would say, um, especially the concept of, of, you know, or the idea that you're going to make a living studying, uh, you know, environmental science, which God bless it. You know, it's environmental science is like going to save the world. Of course, that's, uh, it's very, uh, Sounds like a great idea at the time, but um, you're not the first person I know that has had a major like this that got out and was like dead broke. But I think <laughs> it's, a, it's a really cool lesson to learn in the sense that you have to be broke before you can experience hunger and before you experience yes. thrive. You know, it's, it really helps to experience that 
to, to kind of get kicked in the ass before you, you know, go out and start hustling and, and you know what it means, you know, like it, it has some, you know, some depth to it. So that's really cool. Um, how's, how's, how's things going today though? What's, what does today look like for you in terms oh, of your today's... business and, and your clients, things like this? Yeah. So when I first started, I was just charging people like $150 to teach them about how to invest in the stock market, you know? Um, and now fast forward, my latest client, you know, um, I was able to teach them four lessons and made them made $2,000 for four hours worth of work. So it's really at the end of the day, not so much about just the dollar amount, but rather like the impact that's given to my clients. Because, you know, one thing that most people don't realize is that they're just so, it's so overwhelming when you're trying to first learn personal finance and investing. There's millions of articles, there's millions of YouTube videos. And when you get inundated with so much choice, you become frazzled and therefore you don't start investing. But the, really the impactful thing that people, that I hope to take away from this podcast today is the fact that you should invest as early as possible. And that's simply because of the compound interest of it, right? So my average client is 25 years old and now the average retirement age is 65, right? So you have 40 years to invest. Now, also, my average clients have roughly $10,000 saved up in the bank account before they decided to start investing. So if you compounded that over 40 years, $10,000 over 40 years at roughly 7%, um, that's like, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. However, if you just wait even one year to invest, the difference is the amount of a Tesla. It's like 30 or 40 grand. Okay, You guys can do the math back home, but that's why it's really important to take advantage of investing as early as possible. And especially right now, I mean, I don't know if you guys follow the stock market, but it literally dropped 20% in the last couple of weeks. And so it's like, to me, I'm giddy because it's like buying stocks on sale. But for most people, they're panicking, which doesn't make sense uh, if you understand the investing game in the long run. Okay. So uh, f fun tip, guys. If you're you know, interested in investing, now's a good time to do it. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Full disclosure: We do not, uh, we do not uh, solicit for investing on this program. But <laughs> yeah, uh, great man. So that's really cool. Um, when you first decided to to travel the world, which is again, I think what a lot of people in our generation they do. They're just like they they hit this point in their career where they they feel like they need to go, like they just gotta yeah. go wherever it is. They they gotta go there, you know. Um, whatever yeah. they're doing, they gotta go experience something, you know, a little bit more uh, intense or extreme. Um, and I know, you know, like me, myself, I actually did a very similar thing moving from LA, not, uh, not, you know, Orange County or San Diego, you're Orange County. So I raised up in San Diego, went to school in LA and then worked my entire professional life in Orange County. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you so, so Cal for life. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so moving from LA to, to out to Asia was a very similar story. And then you realize it's, it's funny how traveling, you start to realize what you're good at because you put yourself mm. in environments where you are normal back home or you are normal in, in that specific situation. But then when you go out and you, you see yourself among the general world population, you start to see what your superpowers are. You start yeah. to see what your, your unique capabilities and what, what your unique life experiences have lent themselves to so far and how you can utilize that going forward. So kudos for that, for, for you know, meeting the, the backpackers. And I'm assuming Thailand is where you first met your, your, your first uh, clients. The, yeah, the, yeah. Southeast Asia. Um, yes. Chiang Mai is uh, very high on most digital nomads list. And I thought, you know, let's not go too extreme and go to the freaking Amazon, for instance. Like, 
let me just ease my way into this international travel by going to digital nomad friendly places. Uh, and Chiang Mai is really on that high on the list. But nowadays, more and more, you know, Vietnam is getting higher and higher up on the list. So I'd recommend everybody who's listening to this podcast to at least give Vietnam a, a chance because this place is quite amazing. Vietnam blowing up mm-hmm. right now. Um, mm-hmm. Also, so Vietnam, guys, is a really great spot if you're you know, interested in doing the digital nomad thing. Um, Vietnam and then as well as Bali. But going to Bali is like you might as well you know, be in the West, in the Western world, because it's just so full of backpackers or so full of digital nomads. Like there's, there's, there's actually, from what I've heard, there's like Silicon Valley executives that are just posted up in Bali and they, they've got these yep. little like, you know, communities that they have there. So they're actually running some of the biggest companies in the world from Bali. Pretty wild to see. Yep. But back to your story, man. Um, so when you first left the United States, you, you weren't sure what to do, but you, you knew you wanted to travel. You'd saved up all this money. You didn't want to be a corporate scumbag. Um, and, and yeah, so you, you started meeting people and you started helping them. So it, it would, it would be easy to say like, okay, it was an overnight success. You just started helping people and money just started flowing in, but I'm assuming that's not the case. So what was, what would you say was the first, um, you know, what, what were some hurdles that you experienced on your path mm. to, to actually building your business um, mm. or some, some fail stories, if you will? For, sh- for sure. So I, I want to caveat that I'm still building my business and I will continue to build my business. But, you know, in the last year or so of starting out, like I, for one thing, you know, when you first start traveling, you kind of get disoriented. Like I had a fantastic work ethic back. Oh, I had a fantastic work ethic when I was back. Uh, home in America, like I was working or either working or studying 70 or 80 hours a week for my entire 20s. But when I first started traveling, like, you know, I just got addicted to like being so free that I can wake up whenever I can go party whenever, you know, because everything is so cheap, right? And there's like kind of like the, you know, the parents are not a home type of thing where you just go a little bit nuts. But then I quickly realized that Humans, after you first, you know, meet the lower hierarchy of needs of like eating, sleeping, and then dating, if you will, um, then there's things that above that, that you need to strive for. And for me, I've always been very goal oriented and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I thought, okay, um, I need to start getting back into a routine, but man, getting back into the routine was difficult because, um, man, like when you're just like sitting in an awesome, like apartment, that's also happens to be really cheap. Uh, and centrally located, you don't want to do anything. You can just Netflix, you can just hang out in your bed, you can order cheap grab food everywhere. And so you you lack that discipline. And I quickly realized that, man, I've been pissing away a couple months without much to show for it. So I had to quickly set a routine for myself. So now I wake up um, and then I pretty much go to my office, which happens to be any like dope you know, cafes around the, around the corner. And I'll just post up for, you know, seven to eight hours a day as if I'm going to work. Um, but in regards to failing, you know, I, I, I would say that there's not so much, I don't view anything that I do right now as failing rather than a learning experience. And I can go into that a little bit more deeper because I've failed enough times at this point where each and every time that I've given enough space and time to think about it, I view it as a learning lesson that has actually added to my life. Um, so I knew going in that entrepreneurship is not easy. So I didn't have this naive notion that, you know, like because I worked in Wall Street, you know, everything I turn in turns into gold. Matter of fact, in most cases, it does not, right? 
Um, because nowadays I still spend roughly 5% of my time coaching, but 95% of the time I'm actually learning, you know, I'm either learning digital marketing, which, you know, or like lead generation or copywriting. I mean, it goes into so many different things that, you know, and that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is that you're not in this one little particular corner, but rather you have to be a jack of all trades. You don't need to be a master of none, but you need to be a jack of all trades until you're sustainable enough for you to outsource some of those roles. So that's what I've learned along the way. But uh, yeah, happy to answer any follow-up questions to that. Well, and you make a lot of good points there. I mean, it's uh, starting off a business, any kind of business is going to be difficult, um, especially one that's all based for the most part, you know, online, working with people in digital infrastructures, uh, digital marketing, creating funnels, all this kind of like messing with which kind of uh, programs you should be using, which marketing software. So um, what would you say was your, your biggest... Uh, what was your biggest learning moment and getting to the point where you are now in terms of your, uh, you know, the thing like the, you said, the time, of course, building your, uh, building your habits is really important, but in terms of the, any pivots that you made or any like direction changes that you made, what was the biggest, uh, challenge that you experienced in that way? Oh, okay. So for me, I thought, okay, well, a lot of people back home need financial coaching or need to learn how to invest their money. But you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't target everyone because if you target everyone, you get nobody, right? And so I thought, okay, well, I need to set some criteria on who to target. So first, the two, the two criteria for me were, can they pay for my coaching slash can they afford to invest? Um, and then are they logical? You know, so like, because finance at the end of the day, you still need some degree of logic in order to understand, you know, how, how it works. So I kind of put two and two together and thought, okay, well, software engineers, you know, software engineers make good money, you know, they're logical people, so they'll be good to target. And for a long time, I was, you know, trying to figure out a way to get in front of software engineers. But what I quickly, well, not so quickly realized was the fact that software engineers or engineers in general are DIYers. They like to do everything their, their own, right? And if they happen to be working at Facebook or Google, like these guys are smart people. And so they also have this kind of this shield or ego of their intelligence. It's like, oh, well, like I don't need to know how to invest because I can go on Reddit or I can go on YouTube. Well, it's like, yeah, like you probably know how to invest in stocks, but you probably don't know the importance of why you should also be investing in bonds or real estate, right? Um, and other things. So, so the problem with trying to engage with engineers is that the conversions were not very high, you know, because I was constantly hitting against this wall of like, yeah, they have money, but like, yeah, they're smart and logical driven, but they're also like quite pigheaded about, you know, the, the level of intellect, especially when it comes to finance. So not that I don't work with financial uh, software engineers anymore, but I just choose to pivot into another demographic. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's nothing against them, but rather it's like, you don't want to, go in, especially if it's a cold relationship um, and saying like, Hey, like you should probably think about this and this when they already have kind of an ego barrier up, you know, it's kind of hard to win over those people. Um, if, if you have a cold relationship. Yeah. And that's, that's so true. It's like it's deep knowledge, deep knowledge of your target customer, which, you know, for anybody starting a business, that's, that's always going to be a lesson you're going to learn, whether you like it or not, you're going to learn <laughs> that you got to figure out what's going on in the head of your customers. And if that's the right customer to begin with. So um, you said that you, you did a pivot. So who is your, your target audience now? So not, not necessarily software engineers. Who would you say are the people that you desire to work with the most now going from there? Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, I should have caveated by saying that I mostly work with millennials. That's why it's called the millennial finance coach. And the reason for that is because I want to maximize their time investing. Um, and, but that being said, as that being the main filter, um, the other filter now is I target salespeople because salespeople are, they don't have that ego when it comes to finance. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. They realize like, Oh shoot, you know, um, I probably should try to figure out how this finance thing works because now my, you know, they make decent money. So they're seeing it pile up. Uh, but at the end of the day, you shouldn't target just any salespeople, right? So I still target people who work in tech because they still need to be rather logical, but they still make money and they have less ego about it. So yeah, and now I'm just heavy into leveraging LinkedIn and I'm engaging with more salespeople um, because they, they feel like they need it. Okay, cool. So, and they're, they're also, I guess they would be more likely to recognize the, the value of having somebody else teach them how to do it rather than try to figure it out themselves. Because I know being coming from a, a sales background myself is we really like figuring out how to do something quickly rather than taking the long route. So cool. That's, that's awesome. We, we should talk after the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. So outside of that, um, what would you say that your plans are going forward and what failures are you going to, and I, and I hate to overuse the word failure on the Fail Fighters podcast, but what challenges do you foresee coming in the future in terms of getting from where you are now to where you want to be? Ooh, okay. So this is going to sound really ambitious. Um, so hopefully people don't have like a weird notion of who I am, but I, I am quite ambitious and driven person. So the way I see it is that I really want to be the world's most successful financial coach. I want to, like, I literally write this out every day. Like, I, I write out all these things every single day because I, I believe in the importance of visualization. So I imagine myself not only to teach thousands of people how to invest on their own, but rather I want to help convert a lot of corporate finance slaves who are stuck in their cubicles, who don't think that they can travel, who don't think that they can be their own entrepreneurs and show them that they too can do what I'm doing. So I'm creating a curriculum right now for my clients. But really, what I'm the next level after this is that I'm going to create a curriculum to coach financial coaches. And there, there's no better people than people who already have the financial knowledge who just don't know that this is another possibility. And by the way, the, the amount of clients is literally bottomless. You know, two thirds of Americans can't afford a $1,000 emergency. But right now it takes, if you were to retire today in America, it will cost you around $1.1 million. So this is literally a bottomless amount of opportunity. And unless our educational system changes the way we teach our citizens how to manage money, there's always going to be a demand for what I do. Okay. And that's, that's an awesome way to look at it too, is, is like, keep in mind what the, the prospects of where your target market's going to be in the future. Like there's always going to be, uh, for the most part, people are going to be needing to help solve their money problems. Like money problems are never going to go away. So for anybody considering a career like this, uh, you, you know, the guy to go to now. Um, it's really interesting, and I, and I love talking about this because I actually do uh, some business coaching myself, mostly for people in startups, executives, uh, leadership kind of positions. Um, so in terms of this whole coaching boom and everybody out there becoming coaches, it's on the one hand, it seems like you see it everywhere. You see a lot of people doing this. But on the other hand, it's kind of uh, what I see it being, at least, is that it's a sign of the times and it's a 
a symptom of modern society is that, you know, everybody is, is working in these, these office jobs, but they're realizing that they want more out of life. And we're realizing now that we have the tools to make that happen. We're, we're coming into our own, the millennial generation is, is that we're starting to see that I could work in this guy's office all day and make him money, or I could go out into the world and make my own money doing a similar thing, but doing it my own way. So that's really cool that you're doing that. What, what kind of ideas do you have in terms of the future of work for millennials? Oh, that's a fantastic question. So first of all, I think this coronavirus thing has actually got a lot of people thinking about doing remote work. You know, people now are forced to to work from home, but they're going to quickly realize, oh, this is pretty dope. You know, like I don't want to like, I, I can sit in my PJs. I can like just get the work done and I don't need to like, you know, talk to Susan who has bad breath or like Jim who's like annoying, you know, like I can just get my work done. And, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no offense to any Susans with bad breaths out there, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just like the freedom, you know, and like most people like, or you should have this type of job that it's not about showing up, but rather just getting the work done. And if you can get the work done, then why can't you be remote, you know, independent, uh, sorry, location independent, right? Or being a nomad. So nowadays with the infrastructure of Wi-Fi being better and better and 5G technology just being around the corner, digital nomadicism is here to stay and it's here to boom, you know? So you and I, Carrie, I believe are in the first wave of being digital nomads. And when they see, you know, that not only can we travel, but have very successful careers out of this and leveraging technology and social media and the internet for, for our knowledge, then people are going to be like, damn, if these guys can do it, we can do it too. You know? Um, so I want, I want to show people that, you know, this is not just an isolated case of us being the Mavericks, but rather this is going to be the, the future of, of, um, of work. And let's talk also briefly about the future of education, right? Because I, as I said, I, I graduated from a good university and the whole entire notion of why my parents even like left their lives, you know, to start anew in China, in, uh, from China and moved to America was the fact that, oh, it's the land of opportunity. And, you know, my generation is you know, if you look at it on paper, we're the most successful generation. We go to the best schools, we get the best corporate jobs. But as you've already astutely put it, you know, their level of, you know, mental health and just overall level of dissatisfaction is at all times high, you know? So there's not just isolated moments like this where it's like we're making the paycheck and, it's, and we're getting the prestige. It's, it's not good enough. I think now we're, we're past that and we're, we're more purpose-driven than ever. So when nowadays you can learn anything, and I mean anything online, and especially through paid courses, then you know, this is a new way of educating and therefore the new way of uh, opportunities for everyone. And like you said, we don't want people to see us as the Mavericks, but we're not doing too bad. So it's, it's cool to see, cool to see you out there doing your thing. Um, you know, I, I know you guys can't see right now, but Peter is wearing an amazing Hawaiian shirt. Always. I've never seen this guy without the Hawaiian shirt. So, uh, that's my side, man. Branding is important. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yes. Um, anything, yes. is there anything else that you would like to, to share with, with our audience? I mean, as you know, the people that, that tune into this show are, they're out there fighting failure. They're out there starting their own projects. They're out there. They're, they might be thinking about starting their own projects in, you know, just in business in you know, even athletics and things like this, and they're looking for inspiration. So if there was anything that you've learned in your career up until this point, is there anything that you would share with somebody that's interested in, you know, starting, uh, starting their own ventures? 
Yeah. So I would say your environment is more important than you think. So you guys all heard the fact that you are who your you know, five closest friends are. And that's true. And if your five closest friends are always going to the same bars, talking the same shit, you know, then you're going to, you're, you won't, shouldn't be surprised if five years down the road, you're still doing the same thing, you know, but if there is something part of you that realizes, Hey, like I'm not happy with who I am and this is not sustainable, then do the most extreme thing possible, you know, and, and try to get yourself out of the comfort zone. So one of my favorite YouTube channels is called Yes Theory and their entire slogan is seek discomfort, you know, and I love that, you know, and discomfort does not need to mean like you have to run a marathon every single day or do an Ironman, but rather seek mental discomfort by challenging yourself, getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of your bubble and just do the damn thing. You know, um, and when you found, when you find other people who are similar like you, you know, like that's why Karen and I get along so well is that, you know, we, we just like, we just are willing to think in different wavelengths than the average person. You know, if you can't even visualize yourself being different, then you'll never be different. You know, like that's why visualization is key, but that's why also environment is key. So remove yourself, get out there and go see this beautiful world because, you know, you only have this one life, might as well live it to the max. Love it. Love it. That's, and that's a, that's a great note to leave us on. Um, so I just want to thank you, man, for coming on the show. We've been talking about this for a while and you are officially a fail fighter now. Um, just to, uh, to give everybody an idea of what you're, of, of how to get in touch with you and your, your future missions, any books in the works, any, any big projects you want to shout out right now, um, go ahead and tell us how to get a hold of you, man. Yeah. So right now I'm very heavy on LinkedIn. Um, so you guys can just add me on uh, linkedin.com and look for millennial finance coach or search for Peter Dwan, P-E-T-E-R-D-U-A-N. I have a website. It's called peterdwan.com, but it's still kind of in the works. Uh, or you can just add me uh, with my name on Facebook and you guys can ask me any personal finance or investing related question or about digital nomadicism. Awesome. And, and also with that, with that call to action out there, um, guys, feel free on the, on the Fail Fighters uh, Facebook page if you want to ask any questions for Peter regarding finance, regarding uh, you know, millennial finance, digital nomadism, working as a finance coach, anything to do with that kind of stuff, feel free, put out a shout out on our facebook.com slash failfighters page, and we will make sure that he gets the message and that your question gets answered. All right, that's it for the show today, guys. We've been uh, we've had a lot of fun, and we look forward to hearing from you on the Facebook page and also on our Instagram. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Peter. Hey, thanks for having me, Kerry. So let's unpack that, guys. First things first, Peter had a lot to say about his first few years out the gates when he chose environmental science as a major instead of something more lucrative. See, I'm sure that a lot of people out there listening right now have probably chosen a major in university only to realize that it doesn't make so much money. A lot of people have done it before. But as Peter showed, it's not the card that you're dealt, but it's how you use it. I mean, even Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, first studied calligraphy before he went on to invent one of the most successful companies in the world. And he's quoted as saying, you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. And that's exactly what Peter did. He blazed full speed ahead after exploring more opportunities in the world of finance and is today living on the beach making tons of money. It all makes sense. In the end, you just have to trust your gut and trust your instinct when you're moving forward. 
Next up, Peter had a lot to say about how to build discipline and routines when you're not in survival mode. See, it's tough to stay at the top of your game even when you're under work and financial stress and pressure, but it's especially difficult when you're not being pressured by all of these outside sources. So when Peter said that one of the biggest challenges of moving abroad with money to spare was building routines, I could totally resonate with that. Because at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur means you are your own boss. In good times and bad times, you have to stay disciplined. It was such a pleasure to have Peter on the show. It was such a privilege to have him on the show. And if you guys are really interested in connecting with him and you want to learn more about how to make your money and your finances work for you, then please, please, please reach out to him at peterdewan.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-D-U-A-N.com or on LinkedIn under Peter Dewan or The Millennial Finance Coach. And with that being said, guys, we appreciate you coming on the show and being a part of what we do. Our goal here at The Fail Fighters is to bring you one step closer to starting that project you've always dreamed about or to overcome the obstacles that hold you back in the projects that you're currently in. That's why each week we'll be bringing you more fail stories, more outlandish tales, and more fun facts and lessons. And that's also why we're going to need your help to like, comment, and rate the Fail Fighters podcast on the podcast store and to show us some love on our Facebook and Instagram pages. To bring you the most relevant content possible, we need to hear from you. So if there's a specific topic that you want to dive into, a special guest you'd like for us to have on the show, or some question you're just dying to ask, throw up a question on our Fail Fighters Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash failfighters, and we'll respond to them as soon as possible. And with that being said, guys, I'm Kerry, and we'll see you next time. And don't forget, keep failing forward.